So, hello. Welcome to those who arrived last week. Welcome to Gaia House. I hope you are settling in well on the, on the course. And wonderful to have you here. I have to say, it feels a little bit lonely in front here. <laughs> Everyone's like, to the back, I will speak into the far distance. <laughs> so um, it's, a funny, it's a funny thing to, to talk, uh, to give a talk on the November Solitary Retreat, because you're all doing you know, very different practices, are engaging in different aspects of the teaching. You're all, all in different places. And it's hard to speak to this, <laughs> what is needed here. So I just decide what I would like to speak about. And I hope uh, it is, you know, it is helpful or inspiring or at least a bit entertaining. <laughs> Maybe not for, for you all. So today I would like to offer some reflections on beauty. And I'm aware that of course something like beauty, it's impossible to, to define, you know, to say this is what beauty is. So I will share some thoughts, offer some contemplations ahead, and please do not expect any ultimate statements about the nature of beauty, because there aren't actually any ultimate statements about it, I think. So really, again, see it more as some food for thought. I'm also aware that very easily in, in, in these circles, in our circles, in this circle, a concept uh, like beauty can be immediately associated with the movements of attachment, grasping, desire. And all these movements don't have a very good press. And of course, if something that arises is perceived as attractive, pretty, beautiful, so the response can be one of grasping, one of, you know, reaching out, the wish to own, to possess, to even to conquer, to colonize. You know, we want to colonize, possess this, what we perceive as beautiful, attractive, pleasing, desire, desirable. And of course, you probably will have probably seen this movement in your being, I assume. And it can be um, quite coarse and it can be subtle. You know, this movement when we see something and we like it and immediately there is this, hmm, want. Mm, I want. I want now. Yeah. You know, I have to make sure I get it so that no one else gets it. You know this movement in yourself? Maybe around, I don't know. can have your own little scenario on your head of the, of the last days. You know, I have to secure it for myself, owning it, having it, and this will give me then satisfaction, comfort, gratification. So I'm sure, as I said, you probably all know this kind of movements in your being. 
and that they can be quite quite coarse, quite strong, and they can be very, very subtle, very, very subtle. You know, sometimes we can sense, we can know of these movements only because there is like some quality, some, yeah, some sense of becoming more dense, yeah, becoming more dense. There's a dancing and there is a tensing. There's some some level of contraction accompanying this. And we could say with this contraction, and I just know I'm aware that so much more can be said about it, and I hope it makes sense. I just really want to name it in one sentence. We could say with this arising of contraction, we want, you know, we want me, mine, I. With this, there is more me, I, mine arising and more other. You know, it becomes a little bit more defined. It becomes a little bit stronger, one could say. And the teachings offer a range of really, really very skillful tools and strategies to counter these movements, you know, to attend to these movements of clinging and attachments, these movements actually of suffering. You know, one, one, one helpful strategy is it's like, you know, when we have this very narrow view, it's like, okay, we want to widening our view. We want to actually get our view a little bit less blinkered, you know. So one of the tools, one of them is like, okay, contemplating that what you desire, that what is not desirable. So we are widening the view. We are bringing to mind, we are recollecting aspects of what we want that actually weaken our desire. However, also what we discover when we look closer, most of us with a sensitivity, with some sensitivity, we can quite easily actually experience directly and discriminate and distinguish in ourselves experience of beauty from experiences that could be more described as a sense of, you know, in terms of attractiveness, prettiness, sensual pleasure. There is actually more to the experience of beauty than just a pleasure or an appreciation. Would you say this is true? Yeah. And I will say more about this in, in a moment. just also want to name that actually the Buddha, he did not dismiss or denounce beauty as part of our existence. He didn't say, you know, let go. <laughs> or don't cross. So to the contrary, apparently the Buddha often spoke of beauty, spoke of, often spoke of beauty and saw actually the the growing, the increasing ability and sensitivity to perceive in this way the recognition of beauty as an encouragement for the path. 
know, we will see more easily beauty. It didn't say it in these direct words, you know, but it is can be found. And the beauty of nature, um, of, 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 of flowers, of, 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 of animals, trees, mountains, is a common theme in, in, in Buddhist texts. And there is, are these, are these poem, poems you know, written by um, disciples of him. Kasapa wrote, These rocks with hue of dark blue clouds, where streams are flowing crystal clear, with glow-worms covered shining pride, these rocky heights delight my heart. So a real response to something which is perceived as beautiful. And we can look at our practice in terms of beauty, you know, and I really want to play a little bit around with this, seeing, for example, the cultivation of the qualities of the heart, you know, compassion, kindness, joy, generosity, gratitude. When they're actually present, not just as, as a cognitive concept, you know, the whole being is involved. The whole being, again, is resonating with them. You know, one could say, you know, when we're stepping in these qualities, you know, it's actually beautiful <laughs> to hang out in them. You know, there is a sense of beauty in them. And they are beautiful to be around beautiful to be in proximity to. They're beautiful to inhabit. And again, in, in, in of the, I think there are ten, ten um, merits, if, uh, not merits, like, um, what is the word? What can happen when you when you um, do do meta and and one or one of is the the beautiful complexion, <laughs> so they beautify. <laughs> it's a good thing of skincare <laughs> to to do meta. We could also say that there is beauty in our understandings, in our insights that arise. You know, seeing something clearer. There is a joyful element very often. You know, one could say also that this coming closer, when something is actually suddenly perceived clearer, there is some sense of beauty in this. And again, the whole being is involved, the whole being is resonating, the whole being, you know, is stepping into something which feels somehow right. And many of you report of moments of, of, of being on retreat, you know, being on this retreat, you know, moments when they are being deeply touched by a sense of beauty. And it seems, and people actually say, it seems like I become more receptive to this to perceive the world in this way, you know, the, the beauty of the, 
coloring of the leaves, the beauty of the atmosphere of an autumn day. You know, the, the song of a bird, the beauty of another being, you know, just doing very simply in a very embodied, engaged way their practice. So on retreat, we may find ourselves to perceive and receive life more easily in this way, in terms of beauty, you know, more easily than in our day-to-day life. And I think it's actually really, really important to notice, to cherish, and to allow ourselves to step fully into these moments. So easily, you know, we can dismiss them or overlook them. You know, we can see them as not relevant to our practice. You know, when I'm dealing with my suffering, this is relevant. That I move to tears by a robin, giving them tones, that's not relevant. Was just a little bit sentimental. You know, a little bit emotional. And actually, I think these are profound moments that our being yearns for and needs. There can be a beauty, and this is of course much less available here um, on, on this retreat, but also to be in the presence or participate in 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 in, in in, a, in, in, in deep sharing. You know, so many people, when they, um, you know, um, for example, come to a small group, you know, they said, this was beautiful to hear another share their truth, to be the witness of this, to see actually someone coming as much as they can, are able to, as much as they can do in this moment, to come from their depths, And of course, we can have these moms on retreat and off retreat. And again, I think many of us, they actually formulate this. There is this deep yearning, you know, there is this deep yearning for this sense of connection. That, that particular intimacy, which is so permissive, you know, where we can show up in our humanity, in our complexity, in our contradictions. without being judged or being fixed, you know, to be received in this way and to receive another. Again, deep beauty. Also sometimes, or actually quite often, <laughs> I mention in talks that to actually look at, at an action only through the eyes of effectiveness may not be the most skillful and helpful way to perceive one's actions all the time, or solely in, in this way. And especially regarding action in, in face of what we are facing at this time in humanity, you know, which, you know, and what we are facing can be so overwhelming. 
and I mentioned this a little bit in my last talk, I think that actually at times we need to engage in, a re in the responses to this, in actions, you know, that this actually these responses and actions are um, mostly, or uh, to a big part, motivated, you know, we are doing them just for the sheer beauty of them. And, you know, somehow, when I say this, makes complete sense to me, and it would be quite hard for me to actually define now what makes an action beautiful, to really put words to it. And I would say probably there is a sense of alignment, you know, something, again, something from the depths of our uh, in of our being, from the depths uh, of our being, and and what we are doing is in deep alignment, is in deep um, congruence. I think this is a word to use: a congruence with each other. And also that these actions, there is, they are not about me or me being a f um, successful or whatever, but there is something, you know, they're inviting, they're inviting something bigger, something deeper. You know, they are speaking from and to a different dimension in our being. And again, it's hard for me now to even say <laughs> what an action like this looks like, but sometimes, you know, when I remember back, when I see an action like that, I know, I know, you know, there is this, oh, this is beautiful, that's beautiful. You know, there is, again, there is this resonating, there is something in our depths is resonating. And then somehow, to look at it only in terms of effectiveness doesn't actually honor it, doesn't actually show it the respect it deserves. And of course, there are many, many other situations and um, contexts where we perceive beauty in our natural environment. I lived for some years at the, in the foothills of the French Pyrenees and there were these turns in the road where you suddenly would see the mountains, the snow-clad mountains. And every time I saw them, it was just like, wow, wow. No, it was never like, oh, these mountains again. Oh, these snow-clad mountains. Or when seeing a wild animal, you know, like uh, a wild animal. The other day, the coordinator spoke about that some of them they were see, were, were, um, had the fortune to see an owl. We hear them in the night, but it's quite rare to see them. And again, sharing how deeply touching this was. You know, something again is really deeply, deeply um, responding to this resonating, delighting in it. Many, many years ago, I, I, I did some work in Cameroon and um, I was driving with a 
with some of my colleagues in a car along a road in northern Cameroon, and suddenly there was this herd of giraffes galloping along with us. It's mind-blowing. It's really, again, it's not like, you, you know, it's, it's something, you know, which is really... Um, Striking, you know, striking as something ourselves, which feels so, um, yeah, beautiful, profound, important. And in this context, a, a good friend of mine, I was staying over the other night. He um, he recorded the first sequel. There is a new, you know, I'm not I'm not British, so I didn't grow up with him. But I think many years ago, David Attenborough, he made these documentaries about our Earth, yeah, and he made a new one, Earth Two. And I watched it, and the camera work was mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing, you know. And there was this, you know, these these close-ups of of animals, of wild animals, and the amazing beauty in detail. You know, there were these grayish blue hues of sh shades of of blue and gray in in uh, on the face of an albatross. You know, that's the delicate, delicately drawn bright yellow line under the eyes of a lemur. You know, the bold coloring of a certain species of crab, which only lives in a on a particular island, you know, bright red with splotches of turquoise and dark blue. You know, it's like, wow. And I, to be honest, I was at times, I was moved to tears. You know, it was just incredible. It was incredible. You know, just like this, oh, you know, and this face of this, these birds, you know, this line. Like, wow. So beauty is impossible to define. And when something is perceived as beautiful, we enter a relationship we set what we perceive as beautiful, a very particular relationship. So we are touched, as that is now in many words, and this can have a powerful impact on this mind and heart, on our on our chitta. You know, when 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 entering a, la a relationship in terms of beauty, you know, and I really quite consciously phrase it like this, yeah. Um, when we perceive something as beauty, we, we, we really feel it, we sense it. There is a resonation, and at times, you know, it can feel like the heart is bursting with it. You know, it can feel like the strings of our heart are strung. You have to know this feeling, that ring, yeah. You know, they're literally resonating. They're making sound. Something is resonating. And we all know this kind of experience. You know, in nature, with poetry, with music. You know, in the last three days, I listened to one <laughs> 
piece of music again and again and makes me weep every time, which is a particular movement of a violin concerto of Beethoven. It's like, oh, it's like play my heart. Yeah. So we all know this, you know, art, nature, poetry, music, and so forth. Someone, I think he was telling it, I don't know where I heard, I think I heard it from a friend again, that he heard someone, that he, he said he was crying in front of a Mark Roscoe painting. <coughs> For those who know Mark Roscoe, it's, it's a later work, one could say, I mean, <laughs> these are just some colorful lines, really, you know, it's like blue, another blue, another blue. A little bit blue at the side. You know, without any deeper meaning. And yet, for many of us, there is something, again, really steering. There is something quivering in response. So we cannot rationalize these moments away. Again, is it just the sound of a bird or it's just some colorful lights? Or it's just these old boring snow-clad mountains? Have been there forever, you know. And also, what you also may know in 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 this con in this context in 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 uh, in these moments of beauty, you know, there can be these moments of beauty that it actually it's hard to bear. You know, it literally feels like our heart is going to burst. That actually somehow this heart isn't big enough. It's not open enough. It's not ready yet to take it all in. Do you know this feeling? It's like, oh! Yeah. No, we can't take it in yet in all its magnificence. It's too much and we may turn away. You know, I do this. You know, I had this on a retreat. You know, it was really, it was too much for me to bear. It was like, oh, it's too beautiful. <laughs> No, turn away to manage it, and you know, or to somehow break it down into more manageable pieces. Yeah, it's interesting to see this. We may reason it away. Again, as I said before, I'm just sentimental. I'm overexcited. And with this, we denying this deep again use this word again, this deep quivering, this deep trampling actually of our being. We deny ourselves that calling that can't be pinned down, you know, there's this calling of something that cannot be pinned down. You know, this calling that, that seems to impure the very object, whatever it is, we may perceive as beautiful with an unfathomable depth, actually, with a quality of timelessness. Now, actually, even, you know, 
really want to use, use this word lightly, with this quality of not being of this world. No, that's not, that's not of this world. You know, we can have this deep sense. And as the saying goes, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So beauty is in the resonance of that what we perceive as beautiful on us. Beauty arises in this relationship with this what is perceived as beautiful. So there is this is a particular way of relation of relating to each other. We are entering a particular relationship. Years ago, I read this one author. Again, I didn't find the quote, but he wrote, and I really was touched by it. And he said something along the lines, and I think it's really very, actually, quite beautiful. He said, "That when when we are called by the beauty of something, you know, like we are walking through the garden, and suddenly the beauty of a rose calls us. Let's say." We could say that this calling us, again, it's a, it's a poetic contemplation, which I think is really beautiful. This, this rose is um, it's a, it's a love declaration to us. So the rose, through its beauty, declares its love to us. I think it's a beautiful image. To see it like this, you know, to walk through the gardens, to walk through the lanes, and whenever um, you see something which said, oh, this is beautiful, to see it, oh, this is a love declaration. So it's a particular way of seeing it, but it can really, like, seeing what impact it has on the heart, on the cheetah, on the whole being. Um, Curtis White writes in his book, The Science Delusion, he writes, when we say that the universe is dazzling or amazing, we don't mean that it is out there, separate from us, sparkling away. To say it is dazzling is not a judgment on a thing apart from us. And then he quotes Kant, when we say, say the starry he heaven above, quote end, when we say the starry heaven above is amazing, we say it from within. Through the work, the symphony, the poems, the philosophy that itself is part of what is amazing. So we, again, you know, just 
it's a it's 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 a thesis, <laughs> but I think we need we need we 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 seem to need beauty, and this need for beauty seems to be yeah, it seems to be a very very human need. And this need is not separate from our being. And the very need makes this being itself beautiful. Again, it's a slight twist. My need for beauty beautifies this very being. So in all these examples I mentioned, um, I spoke of a perception of beauty that is not attached and does not come with an arising of a wanting or wish to own, a wish to possess, a desire to have, to consume, to conquer. If we actually sense into it, we see that our response to beauty is most likely imbued with a deep sense of reverence, of awe, of deep respect. And when we're in the presence of perceiving beauty like this, we want to share. We want to share. We want others to partake in our awe, in our reference, in our amazement, in our wonder. You know, we probably all know this moments when you see something, you know, it's like the classicalist with a, with a um, shooting star. You know, you see something, or like a, a, an animal, or something, you know, which is really touching, and you go like, quick, 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 come, come, come. You know, you really want to, you really want to share it, you know. Or when we're actually on our own, you know, when being touched, you know, by, by something which really struck us as beautiful, you know, how often we wish that someone would be there to share it with. Like, you know, one drawback is, uh, you know, when you see all these people sitting on mountaintops watching the sunsets on their mobiles, you know, <laughs> seeing this amazing sunset. Uh, last or two years ago, I went to an amazing um, a photo exhibition by um, a Brazilian photographer, Sebastião Salgado. He does, he did. Um, Amazing photographer, amazing. So I went through the I went through the exhibition like three times, and again I did the mobile phone thing, and I I came out and I found about five friends in Devon. You know, you won't believe what I in a chest there was this overflowing wish, you know, to share my delight, to somehow offer it to them. You know, it, and it, of course, maybe this is another way of managing it. You know, it may be, you know, that, you know, there might be this underlying thought, you know, maybe together, you know, if I have a friend with me, maybe together our joint hearts are big enough to take it in. Mine is too small. It's too beautiful. 
So maybe it's this way of managing and maybe, and maybe it's also a particular expression of mudita, of joy. We want to share this. We want to share our delight in beauty. So something, when we are touched by beauty, again, just to add one, one more element, one could say that something is opening up in us. Something is opening, or and actually, no, I say it differently. Our being is opening up. So we could say, just to refer a little bit what I mentioned before, that in the presence of what we perceive as beautiful, you know, in, in, in when, when we are in this sense of opening up, of being receptive, there is less of a sense of self and other arising. There is less contraction, there is less closing down, there is less dancing and tensing. So this movement has, has actually the, the uh, contrary movement of what I described before, you know, dancing, I want, oh, you know, it has a contrary movement, it's actually a movement into the other direction. You know, a movement towards opening, receptivity, perceptivity. And I shortly mentioned it earlier, an experience of beauty always involves, again, when we, again, something you can find out involves some kind, some sense of depth. So in our practice, to really, you know, really, if you're inclined to do so, you know, if this doesn't speak to you at all, that's, you know, then just put it aside, you know. But really, you know, see if you can invite and allow yourself to become more aware to the perception of beauty, to not automatically or too quickly associate it with the dangers of grasping and attachment, it may bring, you know, there is a danger. But actually to allow us in our practice to, to honor this perception of beauty as a welcomed and I think needed and important receptivity, sensitivity, an ability to receive with depth. Rob Bobea, he writes, in our perception of an object in any moment, the range of possibilities of what exactly gives to us a sense of depth, the evocations, evocation of other dimensions wrapped up in the object or in the sense of being is huge. But without feeling, however vaguely, some dimension of depth in the perception of something, we can have only an experience of prettiness or pleasantness, not an experience of beauty. So our sense of beauty is 
unavoidably tied in with our sense of depth. Where there is beauty, there must be depth. So when there, then there is beauty, there is depth. And very often we could maybe somehow fall a little bit short. We could say, yes, I perceive the other, that what is perceived as beautiful. I perceive the depths of this other. You know, the beauty of the artwork, of whatever it may be. But I think also when we really become aware, the perception of the depths in beauty will always, always connect us and point directly to our own depth. And again, this is something we can deeply cherish, our ability for this depth. Just sit for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.